0: Are you interested in making a difference in your community? Do you want to get more involved with KPFA Radio? This is your opportunity. Right now, KPFA is having elections for its Board of Directors this fall, and several seats are available for listening representatives. The nomination period is now open until September 25th. For more information and for downloadable copies of the candidate packet, go to www.kpfa.org. Or for any questions, please email election at kpfa.org. Your fresh perspective and experience can make a difference.
1: And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.01. Stay tuned next for a cover-to-cover open book. Welcome to Cover to Cover Open Book. On today's show, we pay tribute to Grace Paley. Grace Paley, the activist and writer, writer whose vibrant Bronx-accented short stories illuminated the daily trials and boisterous interior lives of working-class men and women in language that radiated humanity, intelligence, and street-wide, streetwise humor, died last month on August 22nd she was 84. In celebration of her life this afternoon, we bring you a documentary titled Raw and Grace. Please stay tuned.
2: So I know that it begins with me, you know, and because it begins with me, I have got to start to look at my relationship to violence, and I've got to start to look at my relationship to being American. You
0: know, I've inherited a relationship based on my ancestors, but uh, I'm up for creating a new relationship. <laughs> you know what I
3: mean? I do sing America. So my name is Ra Goddess, And in the Kemetic, ancient, pre-Egyptian tongue, it is pronounced... Ra'at Intar Pretty good for 9.30 on a Monday morning (laughs) And it means light supreme My goddess is an internal goddess She is an energy that walks with me
4: It's nice to do outdoor reading, you know I mean, there's a lot of air And it's good some somebody knew what they were doing. So anyway, I'm going to start to read, and um, I'm going to read some from this new book, just as I thought, and, uh, and then I'll read a couple yes. of other
0: things.
4: had been working uh, against nuclear testing in the, fit, like in the 50s late 50s even our PTA <laughs> and, uh, but then one day this um, remarkable man Otto Nathan, Dr. Otto Nathan who was Einstein's executor came to, to our group and said you don't know it. this is like 61 or 2 and said it's a terrible war going on in a very small country and we're doing it and it's Vietnam So we had to educate ourselves pretty quickly. Uh, And that's that's really how we began and other groups. And we began to, little by little, have... um, I worked with them and mostly with the War Resistance League. You mean when the Vietnam
0: War started, many people didn't know it was even happening?
4: No, they did not know You are new here. And we don't expect you to believe us when you tell you how bad it is. It is a flat, scary jungle, thick with scrub trees and tall grass, hot and wet in intermittent rain and strong tropical dragonflies and Viet Cong sniper bullets. You are a long, long way from Fort Riley now, and there is no JC Coffee in town on Washington Street, where you can sit around the counter eating hamburgers. And sipping coffee without having to be afraid a bomb might go off, like a duke at that restaurant in Saigon a few weeks back. The, the leaflet we gave out you was you can had on out. one side what was going to happen, you know, what, if there was an event or a demonstration or a teach-in or whatever, but on the other side it it told people where to uh, where to resist the war. I mean, a young man gave them the addresses of, of draft resisting counseling and, and stated what we considered what was illegal and for which we could have been arrested um, just that we supported uh, we support we didn't just counsel draft resistance we supported it uh, we, uh, we believed in it we, we, we said
0: hey fellas guess what Leroy's right. in the army.
3: And what I remember most about growing up and coming to understand their activism was how important it was to have freedom, justice, and equality. And so I think for me at a very young age, because my activist career began kind of at the ripe old age of nine. My parents were extremely active in local politics, and we used to knock on doors and get petitions signed to get local politicians on the ballot. And we had to be able to articulate why people should sign this petition. And I just remembered, you know, we would be in the living room and my mother would kind of be going over it with my sister and my brother and I. And um and I remembered feeling an extreme sense of importance. Like this is important. It's important to my life. It's important to the life of other people who are far less than I am. And it's important to America that this work happened and that we somehow as this diverse body of people who have chosen to uh, have citizenship in this nation work to make it better. Work to have the concept of the Declaration of Independence. Work to have the concept of the Bill of Rights. Work to have that concept of freedom, justice and equality really live. How do you feel and oh, you know, what she you maybe someone else answers as well. How do you feel when you are able to talk with someone of another culture and you are able to start to understand them? How does that make you feel?
0: I, I have a friend from, um, I think he's from Pakistan, and another one from Iraq. And they told me I asked them because I was curious about the same thing. she said so I wanted to ask him them their religion, if in their religion it tells them to kill people. And one of them. Told me that yes, and the other one told me no, and they're from the same religion. And they they explained that it was, it depended on how you, you reacted to the things the Bible says. Interpret. Yeah, interpret mm-hmm. the things that, that it says. But then, like, when I started talking to the one that said that you you can't kill people if, because, you know, what the religion says, I. That they, I, I this is another,
4: uh, this is a poem called Fathers. It's just an accident that I have fought two father things in one reading. Uh, but um, the other one written some time ago and this one's written very recently. Fathers, fathers are more fathering these days. They have accomplished this by being more mothering. What <laughs> luck for them that women's lib happened then the dream of new fathering began to shine in the eyes of free women and was irresistible. On the New York subways and the mass transits of other cities, one may see fatherings of many colors with their round babies on their laps. This may also happen in the countryside. <laughs> These scenes are brand new, exciting for an old woman who had watched the old fathers gathering once again in familiar army camps and comfortable war rooms to consider the necessary eradication of the new fathering fathers who are their sons, as well as the women and children who will surely be in the way. I often think they would have nuclear bombed that place. Really, they, they were desperate to really totally destroy it. And I've been there. I was there in 1969 during the war. And I saw what we were doing. I was there with a group that had to bring POWs back. And it was something that had been organized between the Vietnamese and the Americans and I don't know who else. And the peace movement. What am I talking about? Yeah. So they sent a bunch of peace activists to bring American military that were prisoners of war back to the U.S. Um, uh, What it was really was that the Vietnamese said they would only give these POWs they would only deliver them to the peace movement. This was in 69, and there were several such journeys made, about three or four, maybe three or four months, one each, and we'd bring back three people. But I was on one of them. I was very lucky to get on, to be, as to be on one of them. So I could really see what was happening in Vietnam because we traveled through it. I saw all the. I saw the bomb. I saw what we were doing. It was too, too terrible, and the young people with me were too were horrified for life. And um, but uh, we brought these guys back, and they were all pilots. They were all guys who were flying around up in the sky and dropping bombs down, you know, and they just. Uh, you might say the invention of the airplane was a terrible thing because it has been used for... It has been used, really, to cre- almost create civilian warfare. I mean, the death of civilians everywhere.
2: I'm
1: fascinated by the fact that you have peace activists bringing home Fighter
4: pilots, men who are dropping bombs. Well, I I remember uh, this is uh, this is very hard to believe. Conversation. I said to one of the um, Vietnamese guys, who was um, you know. uh, We also went and talked to people in the prison and so forth. But um, I uh, I I I, I said to one of the Vietnamese men. um, uh, I said I said listen. We're taking these guys home but you know they're going to say they're going to get on the radio and they are on the on the um <coughs> on, or in, the, in, in their own uh, organizations and the army and say terrible things about Vietnam. they're going to really even though you've freed them they're going to really say terrible things. you. So, um, and he says to me, very simply, he says, oh, he says, yes, we know that. They will get on the radio. They will get on TV. We know they will do that. But, he says, at night, when they go home, they will tell the truth to their wives.
0: President Bush,
3: scared, scary. I'm not clear. And I don't think he is either. I don't think he really knows the power he holds. I don't think he really understands the opportunity that is available for the United States. It doesn't mean that I don't understand it as a human being, but it concerns me deeply, deeply concerns me. We are amazed,
0: but not amused, but all the
3: for me the piece came through the music and i guess sitting here as i say that to you i realize well there's no mistake today why <laughs> i do what i do but um i remember vividly growing up Jimi hendrix i remember vividly growing up um the work of the last poets i remember vividly growing up the work of joni mitchell i remember vividly growing up the work of stevie wonder and um Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life, I think, and, and I probably could say this for, you know, millions of us throughout the world who love Stevie's work, but Songs in the Key of Life, I think, shaped me. It 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 is what, you know, almost uh, could single-handedly be responsible for the shaping of my kind of political approach or political perspective, because I think that... Stevie and and like many others in that time, was able to find a way to marry the message of struggle and peace, you know. um, And um, and it's interesting because today a lot of where I work is to evolve the language of struggle to stand, the language of uh, fighting for peace to just standing for peace, and standing for equality and standing for justice, which for me gives a different connotation, and I felt like his work was very revolutionary, and that it came from that place.
0: She's got daughter's eyes, hands so strong to lean upon. She's got a whole lot of ideas about this world that we're living on. She's got biggest ways where there's a path there's a wheel She's got business to tend to for the forgotten ones She was a refuge and when the final words are spoken and when the world, and when they open up those gates of heaven, we will remember her infinite generosity. But she left us a legacy,
3: and music knows no boundaries, it touches all of us in some way, shape, or form, you know. Um, and, and so for me. I think it's a powerful medium for that reason, you know, Uh, it touches places that words can't always reach.
2: Now, who got next in this mission? I'm listening. Want to activate more than just your wishful thinking. Make some noise if you're working towards a mission. To liberate you and yours This this paradigm is shifting. Please don't get it twisted. My sister be one of the few that's willing to risk it. Put that s*** on the line for vision and fulfill it. Spare me the drama. I need more than your everyday armor. To get the job done, I'm calling on your dharma. God in you. I la too. Or however you do. Atheists ain't got to believe in a dang thing long as you're willing to come through. Transformation. No. Only belongs to the sanctified, it aligns itself with whatever is true. True, true, true. I was in jail. I had been sentenced to six days in the
4: women's house of detention, a 14 story prison right in the middle of Greenwich Village, my own neighborhood. This happened during the American War in Vietnam. I have forgotten which important year of the famous 60s. The civil disobedience for which I was paying the small penalty. Probably consisted of sitting down to impede or slow some military parade. I was surprised at the sentence. Others had been given two days or dismissed. I think the judge was particularly angry with me. After all, I was not a kid. He thought I was old enough to know better. A 45 year old woman then, a mother, a teacher. I ought to be too busy to waste time on causes I couldn't possibly understand. I was herded with about 20 other women, about 90% black and Puerto Rican, into the bullpen, an odd name for a woman's holding facility. There, through someone else's lawyer, I received a note from home telling me that since I had chosen to spend the first week of July in jail, my son would probably not go to summer camp because I had neglected to raise the money I'd promised. I read this note and burst into tears. It was true. Thinking about some other people's grown boys, I may have betrayed my little son. That summer, starting July 1, stood up before me, day after day, steaming the city streets, the after-work crowded city pool. I guess I attracted some attention. You, you white girl, you, you never been arrested before? Black woman about a head taller than I put her arm on my shoulder. It ain't so bad. What's your time, sugar? I gotta do three years. You, huh? Six days. <laughs> six days? What the fuck for? I explained, sniffing, embarrassed. You got six days for sitting down in front of a horse? The cop on the horse? Horse step on you? Jesus. Cops getting crazier and stupider and meaner maybe we can get you out the confrontation was not created by the police the confrontation was created by the people who charged the police gentlemen get the thing straight
1: once and for all the policeman isn't there to create disorder the policeman is there to preserve disorder
3: keep this one real tight rhythmically real like serious tension okay let's try it again five six
1: Young people in this country. Middle school kids in this country.
3: Funny, silly, immature, precious, wanting, hungry, questioning, challenging, enlightening. A request for something real, something true, something that they can count on.
0: Middle school children in Iraq.
3: Scared, foreign, foreign. Terror, anger, conflicted, but somewhere—and I can't even tell you where this comes from—somewhere hopeful, hopeful.
4: But we, but we had a struggle inside the peace movement. I mean, you know, I remember um, in my office at, of the uh, of the Greenwich Village Peace Center. Some of the boys who were wonderful boys—they were risking their life, you know—they risk going to go to jail and all—and they had this great thing: boys will say uh, no to girls who say yes. And I remember, I remember saying, you know, that's not so nice. That's about as far as I went at that time. I said. That's a, not a nice thing to say. I don't like, that's not a good slogan, you know. And the, among the older people, um, there, there was, a, there was a, a real struggle for the women to take, to begin to speak at big demonstrations and to, and to be part of, of the meetings, uh, uh, of which many of them were doing the most grassroots work. And there were many women's organizations, Women's Strike for Peace, Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, which is a very old organization, a very fine one, and it's still still in business. And it's uh, it's very important to, uh, to me because
3: they're very strong in Vermont, and a lot of even my work as an activist has been about being a hip-hop activist, you know. And much of the challenges that I have faced in the Civil Rights Movement and in the Peace Movement are also faced in the hip-hop movement because, as I said, we are a microcosm of the larger society. And the issues of gender uh, in hip-hop, particularly with the advance of commercialism, you know, and the industry, the commercial industrial advancements within hip-hop have created major issues, respect, and equality for women. So as a kind of quote unquote hip hop feminist MC um you know my vision for the movement is that we as women find our authentic voice and be willing to stretch the boundaries of hip hop you know be willing to stretch the boundaries of what it is to be an MC Without compromising the message.
2: Tapping the power within my pen runs ragging like the tracks of the number two line. Never coming when expected, but on time. Yeah. Showing my people the places they wanna go. Many believe that what flows through my pen and dances upon my lips be from me and about me. And uh, sometimes the ego wishes it were true, but reality be that I'm the channel, the vehicle. And sometimes the message lengthens in my temple for fear that you can't handle it, won't understand it, will fail to look before judgment. Yet I'm reminded that it is my own fear of the truth that traps them there.
4: This seems to me one one of the one of our worst times. I mean, I, I remember the Second World War coming on, and I was in my late teens, and I was scared. And I, and of course, no, no, nobody was coming over here. But still, I want to say one good thing because I have to, because it's my nature. <laughs> uh, when I think of organizing uh, during the Vietnam War or other or other or other periods, it was a long business. Really, it really. You know, little, little by little, a couple of us, little groups, would have a little walk in the neighborhood, or we'd persuade a church to do a teach-in. You know, but we, we never. Uh, it was a long time before we had a hundred thousand people in Washington. So that hundred thousand in Washington and the big demonstrations in all the cities are are, are the
3: one encouraging thing. One of the things that we are going to really have to address as a uh, community, both as as an American, and I should say as a United States community. Uh, I want to be very specific. United States community, and uh, ultimately as a world community, are are issues of privilege and class. And I think that those cut way across culture and cut way across race. Um, And one of the things that I think has, has been a prevalent issue within the traditional civil rights movement has been the issue of class, and I think it's also been prevalent in the peace movement. I think it's one thing to talk about fighting for equality and justice and empowerment, and I think it's another thing to look at those who you say you're fighting for as equals. And I don't think we've been able to get there, and more so I don't think we've been able to confront the fact that within this conversation of peace and within this conversation of civil rights, that there continue to be some of the same kinds of oppressive behaviors that we so diligently uh, and so desperately fight against. And uh, I'm
4: finish with this, this whole responsibility. Some of you might have heard. Um, it is a responsibility of society to let the poet be a woman. Let start again. Erase <laughs> It is the responsibility of society to let the poet be a poet. It is the responsibility of the poet to be a woman. It is the responsibility of the poet to stand on street corners giving out poems and beautifully written leaflets, also leaflets you can hardly bear to look at because of the screaming rhetoric. It is the responsibility of the poet to be lazy, to hang out and prophesy. It is the responsibility of the poet not to pay war taxes. It is the responsibility of the poet to go in and out of ivory towers and two-room apartments on Avenue C and buckwheat fields and army camps. It is the responsibility of the male poet to be a woman. It is the responsibility of the female poet to be a woman. It is the poet's responsibility to speak truth to power, as the Quakers say. It is the poet's responsibility to learn the truth from the powerless.
1: been listening to a documentary called raw and grace and celebration of the life of grace paley who passed away last month at the age of 84 thanks for tuning in to cover to cover open book Wisdom Festival is a two day conference and exhibition about global and transformative wisdom. There is a